0: Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, as we come to You today, Lord, and we come to this time of worship where we worship You, Lord, by hearing Your Word. Hearing Your Word to us, Your revelation of Yourself to us. Lord, I pray that You would stir our hearts. Or, as Mark just sang about, Lord, our only hope, our only strength comes from Christ alone and His righteousness. Oh, Father, I pray today that you would implant that on our hearts so that we would see that and know that and know the value of your gift to us in Christ alone. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to Philippians chapter 3 as we continue our study there. Philippians chapter 3. Looking this morning at verses 8. And nine, eight and nine now, last week, I said we were going to make two sermons out of this paragraph, but uh, we 're actually going to do three as I studied it this week, so uh, but we 're going to look at uh, eight and nine this morning as we continue to discovering in our journey of discovering joy, discovering joy, as Paul is writing this letter to the church at Philippi, and then to us, teaching us about real everlasting joy and today we see uh, that we find joy in the righteousness of Christ alone as we look at rejoicing in the righteousness of Christ alone uh, if you will stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's holy word I will be reading the whole paragraph again so that we get the full context in christ the righteousness from god that depends on faith that i may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings becoming like him in his death that by any means possible i may attain the resurrection from the dead amen may the lord add blessings to the reading of his holy inspired and inerrant word And may he write its eternal truth on all our hearts. And you may be seated. If you were here last week, you remember as we began looking at Philippians chapter 3, Paul, he enters the portion of the letter where he is addressing the, the spiritual attack that is taking place in Philippi. This, the Philippians are, are getting a, a little influence from some false teachers. These false teachers have been going around for quite some time. If you Remember, we looked at uh, the book of Acts last week, and, and even after Paul's very first missionary journey, these Judaizers, these, these men, these false teachers who are going around and, and preaching another gospel saying that yes you can have Christ it's good to have Christ but you also need this other thing you need to be obedient to the law you need to have circumcision and you need to keep the ceremonies and all of the Jewish traditions you need Christ plus this other thing and we said last week that Christ plus anything else is not the gospel it is not the gospel it's christ and christ alone salvation is in christ and christ alone so paul says that we are the real circumcision the real people of god who trust in christ put our confidence in christ and what christ has done and so we remember that the these judaizers these false teachers they were going and they were perverting the gospel they were perverting the gospel, adding to the gospel. And what, what they were adding to the gospel was self-righteousness. This idea that we can gain a right standing. That's what righteousness is. Righteousness is a right standing before God. Righteousness means that we are able to keep God's word perfectly. That's what's demanded, as we'll see later on. But this idea that we can have this gain, this right understanding before God through our works, that's what they were adding to. You, you have Christ. Christ is good. Faith in Christ is great. But you also need this self-righteousness. You need to earn your own way. Whether that be to earn your way in or earn your way to keep what you have. They wanted to add to it. Add this idea of self-righteousness. And really, the idea of self-righteousness, it, it, it's so easy to add on to the gospel because we all have this natural tendency to, to want to be self-righteous. We all have this, this tendency. I mean, that's, that is the definition of sin. We want to do it ourselves. We don't want God. We say, "No, God, we don't need your help. We can do it ourselves." And so, when you tell someone that, "Oh yes, you, you need Christ, but also you need to do something," people actually respond positively to that message because they like the idea of wanting to do it themselves. It comes natural. We want to do it ourselves. But the truth of the matter is what God tells us is 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 impossible for us to do it ourselves. Self-righteousness never saves because any kind of self-righteousness that we might accomplish by our own works is like filthy, dirty, nasty rags in the sight of God. Self-righteousness can never save only the righteousness of Christ saves only the righteousness of Christ saves so this morning we find that as we look at these next couple of, of sentences here these next couple of verses in this paragraph we find rejoice in the righteousness of Christ alone imputed to us by grace alone through faith alone for it is the only way to salvation Let me say that again. Rejoice in the righteousness, the right standing of Christ alone, imputed to us by grace alone, through faith alone, for it is the only way to salvation. Now, if you don't know what imputed means, we'll get to that in a moment. So uh, just know that. So as we then begin to look at this and break this down, in this passage the first thing that we need to note as we think about the the rejoicing and the righteousness of Christ alone we need to understand that we desperately need an alien righteousness we desperately need an alien righteousness Brother Richard what in the world do you mean by an alien righteousness well we all know what an alien is an alien is something foreign to us something that is out there Uh, not a part of us, right? Got that idea? We need an alien righteousness, a, a righteousness that comes from without us. That comes from without. It's strange to us. We need an alien righteousness given to us. That's what we need. And So how do we figure out that we need such a righteousness, an alien righteousness? Well, first of all, we can look at the laws demand, the laws demand, before we can understand why Paul, why he says he considers all things as lost because of the surpassing worth, the supreme value of Christ, before we can understand why Christ is so supremely valuable to us, We must understand our desperate need for His righteousness. And we see that as we understand the law's demand. From the very beginning in Genesis chapter 1, as God created the heavens and the earth, and as He created man, He created man in His own image and in His own likeness. He created him male and female He created it created them Genesis chapter 1 verse 27 and then after God creates man he begins to bless mankind and then he puts requirements upon man right so we have our creator God has created us he has given us life given us being he has created us for a purpose and so as our creator he has a right to demand certain things of his creation And so we see that even from the very beginning in Genesis uh, chapter 1 and chapter 2. Genesis chapter 1 verse 28 reads, And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree that with seed in it, in its fruit. You shall have them for food, and every beast of the earth, and every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. So God, on the sixth day, creates mankind. He creates male and female, Adam and Eve. And he blesses them. And he tells them, he he makes this requirement as he blesses them. I will bless you. I will continue to bless you. But be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and have dominion over the earth. So God has given mankind the responsibility of being a steward to represent God in the earth and steward God's creation. To watch over it. Furthermore, and chapter 2 understand quickly here briefly uh, Genesis chapter 1 is a summary an overall overview of creation and then in chapter 2 God kind of hits the rewind button a bit and goes back and gives some more detail about day six and the creation of man and after he creates Adam on this on the, on that sixth day Look over at Genesis chapter uh, 2, verse 15 and 17. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Here's God's covenant he is making with Adam. You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So God says to Adam, "I've created you, I've given you all of this. you're to have dominion over all of this. I give you all of my blessings. I pour out all of my blessings on you. You can have everything in the world is yours to, to use and eat and all of these things, except for this one thing, that one tree, that one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, don't eat of that tree. Don't eat of that tree, for the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And what did Adam do? He ate of the tree that God told him not to eat of. He rebelled against God. And he drug all of mankind into rebellion with him. We inherited that, that trait from Adam, that re- rebellious gene, if you will, from Adam. Adam rebelled, and all of mankind after him rebelled against God's rule and reign. God demanded, you do this, and I will bless you, but if you don't do this, you shall surely die. And Adam did not die the death that day that God told him about by the way. God's grace allowed him to live and even offered him a way of salvation, I believe. But God demands obedience. He demands obedience. Furthermore, we see in Genesis chapter 17, verse 1, we see God interacting with Abram at this point. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. Be blameless that I may make my covenant, covenant between me and you. God demands that, that Abram, who would become Abraham, walk before God blamelessly, perfectly. Did Abraham walk blamelessly, perfectly? No. No, because as if you look back to, to verse, or chapter 16, you see him disobeying God, not following God's way as he takes Hagar in and has a child with Hagar instead of his wife Sarah. Furthermore, we see several times throughout the book of Genesis there as it deals with Abraham that he is deceptive, he he lies. So he didn't walk blamelessly before the Lord, yet God loved him and made a covenant with him and received him. Why? God demands perfect obedience. Leviticus chapter 19 Verses 1 and 2, as the Israelites came out of Egypt, God renews his covenant with them. And he says in verse 1, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for the Lord your God is holy. Jesus takes this verse in, chapter, in Matthew chapter 5 verse 48 as he is preaching the Sermon on the Mount and he interprets this, Be ye perfect as the Lord your God is perfect. You see, God as our Creator, He has a right to rule and reign over us. And He has given us, given us a law with, by which we are to live. And he says, if you want to have a right standing before me, if you want to be righteous, then you must keep every bit of the law and keep it perfectly. If you fail to keep the law perfectly, You're cursed. That is the law's demand. Be perfect as the Lord your God is perfect and receive the full blessings of God. Rebel against the rule and reign of God and receive the curse. Death. Eternal death. The law demands much As we understand, then, the law's demands, we also must understand our inability, our inability. Paul says in Romans chapter 3, verse 19 19 through 20, we looked at this last week, but we're going to look at it again this week. Romans 3, 19 through 20, 20 reads, Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that that's the purpose, for this reason, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight since through the law comes knowledge of sin. Paul's already been working out in Romans uh, our inability to, to keep God's Word, God's law. And he comes to this, that the law is not given to us. God did not reveal it to us. He didn't write it down for us so that we could, could accomplish it. Because we can't. We are by our nature's rebels against God's rule and reign, but God gives his law so that as we see his law, we can understand our rebellion, our sinfulness against God, and that on the day of judgment God could pull out our lives and lay them out and take his law and says, "How did you do? You failed." to hold the whole world accountable for their rebellion against their Creator. That's the purpose of the law. It's not given so that we can gain righteousness, gain favor before God. We can't. We can't. Because everything that we do is marred by sin. Sin. But some will say, well, well, if I'm just good enough, man, I don't have to keep it perfectly, right? God's gracious, he's loving, he's kind. I don't have to keep it perfectly. If if I can just be good enough, maybe God will let me in. James chapter 2 verse 10 says, For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point, in one point has become accountable for all of it. You fail in one part of God's law. You are accountable for the whole of God's law. I was thinking about that this morning. Why is that the case? Why are you guilty of the whole law? You know, all of the law can be boiled down to those two commandments, can't they? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Everything that you have, love God with everything all that you are. And the second is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, if you love God with all of your being, then you will love your neighbor as yourself because God loves them and created them in the image of God. So you shall, you will love your neighbor. And if you fail in one part of the law, then you have failed to love God with Your whole being. You're guilty of rebellion. We cannot save ourselves. What the Judaizers were demanding, the dogs, the evildoers, those who mutilate the flesh, what they were demanding was an impossibility. We cannot match it. We can't live up to it. Because of our sin nature, we can't do it. And what is, the, what is the, the, the result of depending upon self-righteousness? You remember back there in Genesis chapter 2, God said the day that you, sur- you eat of it, you shall surely die. Think about that as, then you turn, as I flip over here to uh, Revelation chapter 20 and just read the death that God really was talking about there. Then I saw a great white throne, and Him who was seated on it, from His presence earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books, notice the plural there, books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books, plural, according to what they had done. The books are the complete history of every human being who ever lived. God has a book, books, (laughs) containing everything that we say, do, think in our lifetimes. And those who are dead will be judged by what is written in the books. The books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death. The lake of fire. See, the second death is not like this death. The second death is an eternal separation from God and all of His goodness. An eternal sentence to a devil's hell where all the fullness of God's wrath. Not His goodness, His wrath will be poured out upon those who continued in their rebellion against His Lordship. That's the second death. And that's what self-righteousness gets you. The second death. We desperately need not our own righteousness, but an alien righteousness to save us. Second, God. (laughs) Here's, Here's the good news. But God. The gospel. But God has provided the perfect righteousness in which we need of Christ as a gift. So we can't earn it. We are unable to to gain righteousness before God. But God graciously gives us the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ. Understand Christ's perfect righteousness. Paul already in Philippians, Philippians chapter 2, has already talked about Christ's perfect righteousness, Christ's perfect right standing before God. Chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. He made himself nothing, taking on the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of man, being born like us. He became obedient to, to the point of death. He became obedient to God's law, the Father's law. He became obedient to the Father's will even to the point of death. Even death on a cross. Christ, God in human flesh, God the Son, the second part of the Trinity the second person of the Trinity came and took on human flesh he became one of us and he lived like one of us He was tempted just like one of us. And He did it completely, totally without sin. He was obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. He never, ever, ever rebelled against the Lordship of God the Father. He had perfect righteousness. He is perfectly right before God the Father. No sin whatsoever. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Christ had perfect righteousness, has perfect righteousness, And God has freely given us that righteousness. Number B there under 2. God's free gift. God's free gift. God's free gift to us is imputed righteousness. That is the righteousness of Christ added to our account. God gives us Counts it to us. Counts Christ's righteousness to us. Look at what Paul says here in this verse. He, he has this, this kind of accounting language going on here. Just starting up in, in verse 7. But, every, but whatever gain I had, I counted. I accounted. Right, so my accountants, those n- n- number-minded folks, think of your spreadsheet. You have your spreadsheet there. You have your accounts. On this count is the, the gain account. On this side is the loss account. And so you have those there. Paul says, whatever, whatever gain I thought I might have had in all of my righteous deeds before God, and all of my good works, I take that from the gain column and I throw it over here on the loss column. I count it as loss because of the surpassing worth, the value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, as dung, as scraps to the dogs in order that I may gain Christ. I take all of my self-righteousness. I realize that it is nothing nothing compared to the glorious value of Jesus Christ and I throw it as lost and I bring Christ into the game column that's all I need there I just need Christ because Christ is supreme in value He's supreme in value Romans chapter 3 verse 21 through 24 tells it like this but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. He just told us that by works of the law, no man, no human being is justified in the sight of God. But now, the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. There is no distinction for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and all are justified, saved by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ. God's free gift to us is the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ. The the taking of Jesus' righteousness, his perfect obedience to God, and taking that from Jesus' account and putting it over here in our account. And Paul says, I count everything else as loss so that I may gain the righteousness of Christ." See what he says. And be found in Him. I count it all as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. In Christ. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that. What is that? That righteousness which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God. From God. It's a gift from God. It's not gained by us. It's not earned by us, but it is gifted from God. That righteousness from God that depends on faith. One of the best illustrations of imputed righteousness is in Zechariah chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Here we have this illustration and and here you have this view of of a judgment day and, and this Joshua who is the high priest, he is standing there as a representative of God's people. And you have Satan there condemning. And you have Jesus, the angel of the Lord, standing there. And look what happens. Then he showed me that is God showed him in a vision in a dream. Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, Jesus, I believe, and Satan, standing at his right hand to accuse him. Then look, God, look at all he's done. He's rebelled against you. He's filthy. He's nasty. Covered in sin. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you. Yahweh rebuke you, O Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this a brand plucked, snatched out of, plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was standing before the angel clothed with filthy garments, stain-covered garments and the angel said to those who were standing before him remove the filthy garments from him and to him he said behold i have taken your iniquity away from you and i will clothe you with the pure vestments and i said let them put a clean turban on his head So they put a clean turban on His head and clothed Him with garments and the angel of the Lord Jesus was standing by. He took away His garments. As God takes away our garments, our sinful, stained garments, And He took them and He put them on the cross as Jesus was hanging there. He draped our sin. He imputed our sin to Christ's account. Clothed Jesus with our sin so that Jesus received upon Himself the the death that we deserve. The abandonment of God the Father that we deserve. There on Calvary's cross, And He takes Christ's righteousness and He clothes us with it. That is God's gift to us. The imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ. God, and God alone, by His grace alone, has provided the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ' his Son. as a free gift, as a free gift. How is that free gift given? Number three: Christ's perfect righteousness is received through faith alone. Christ's perfect righteousness is received through faith alone. It is not through works of the law. It is not through works of the law. Paul drills that into our minds. It is not through works of the law. These Judaizers are demanding works of the law added to Christ. You can't do it. You can't gain Christ through works of the law. You can't gain righteousness through works of the law. As I studied this, you, you notice there, Paul counts, counts all of his self-righteous deeds that he did as rubbish. That word rubbish, it, can mean, it, it means waste. It can mean dung, and so there, there are those who translate it that way. It's dung. He counts it as dung for the dung pile. But as I was studying this, it, it, it can also mean scraps. Like table scraps. It's it's human waste. It's table scraps. And I thought about what Paul is saying. He begins by saying, look out for the dogs, the evildoers, the mutilators of the flesh. Now this was a great insult for those Jews because dogs weren't the man's best friend as they are today. They aren't the house pet. Dogs were ravenous scavengers who kind of roamed the streets and they just ate whatever. And so the Jews counted them as unclean. They were unclean animals and they really didn't want to have anything to do with dogs. And Paul says, these are dogs. These are unclean scavengers. And then Paul says, I count all that self-righteousness All that stuff that these Judaizers are trying to throw down your throats and add to you, I count them as scraps. Leave those scraps for the dogs. They're scraps. They're waste. Because they don't save. We cannot save ourselves. Righteousness does not come through works of the law. Think about this, Galatians 2 verse 21, I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. If it was truly possible for us to to gain our own salvation, why did Christ have to come and die in the first place? Righteousness is not gained through works of the law, but through faith and faith alone. For His sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. The only way we gain the gift of righteousness, of Christ's righteousness, is to simply receive it by faith. By faith! There's nothing to do You are never going to do anything and say, "See God, you deserve you. I deserve it. You ought to give that to me. I deserve it." We can never do that. But we must hold out our hands and receive this free gift. Receive it by God's grace through faith. Trusting in Christ and in Christ alone. Trust Him. There's nothing to do but to believe in Him. Trust Him. Trust that He has died the death that He said He died. That He took your sin and died on the cross with it. Paid that penalty for your sake. Believe it. Trust it. Trust that God raised Him up from the grave proving that there's not an ounce of sin left to be paid for. Give your lives over to Him. Believe Him, trust Him, and you will freely receive the free gift of God's grace. Christ's imputed righteousness. Are you here today striving, 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 trying to read? Uh, Get favor with God. You'll never find peace because you will never be able to accomplish perfect obedience which God demands. But quit striving. Quit striving. Quit striving and reach out for Jesus. Trust in Jesus. Believe in Jesus. And you will receive perfect righteousness. His righteousness. And on that day of judgment, when the books and the book is pulled out, God will run down the list of those whose names are written in the book of life. (laughs) They come into Me, you faithful servant. Do you trust in Jesus? The great mantra of the Reformation was this, justification by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. In the day of the Reformation, the church of that day, they had perverted the Gospel because they had added to the Gospel it was Jesus plus. And the Reformers looked up as they studied Scripture and they said, there's no plus there. There's no plus. It's just salvation by God's grace through faith in Christ alone. And that is the call to us today. Justification, salvation is by God's grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, plus nothing. So today, dear friend, rejoice in the righteousness of Christ alone, imputed to us, to you, by grace alone, through faith alone, by trusting in Jesus Christ. For it is the only way of salvation. Do you trust Him today? Do you trust Him? Do you know the free gift of God's righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. If not, turn to Him today. Oh, Heavenly Father. Oh Lord, may we as Paul think of all the works that we have ever done Let us thank them, let us count them as rubbish, as dung, as scraps for the dogs so that we may gain Christ and His righteousness. So that we may know and understand the supreme worth of Jesus and that He might mean more to us far more to us than anything else that we could do or anything else in this world. Oh Lord, let us today see the supreme worth of Jesus. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen.